American writer Wa- <laughs> Ralph. Okay, hang on. <laughs> American writer Ralph Waldo Emerson. Wait, once say it said- again. You think you said Ralor? Ralor. <laughs> well, American writer. <laughs> As if I'm getting hung up on Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Ralph. What kind of interesting international name is this? <laughs> Ralph. 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 Oh, gosh. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 139. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are discussing what makes someone a good person. American writer Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, quote, What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. End quote. When we look within ourselves, what do we see? We can be our own worst critics, and it's no secret that we are often hardest on ourselves. But our mindset matters, and what lies within us may be better than you think. But first, the best way that you can support the Modern Lady Podcast is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and by sharing us with your friends. And if you would like to leave us a comment about today's episode, the best way to get in touch with us is on Instagram at the Modern Lady Podcast. But be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode for other ways to connect because we would love to hear from you. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Well, Michelle, I figured that we might as well start Season 6 with a very special tip. This one goes out to all of our pregnant listeners. Ladies, how does groaning ale sound? Groaning. Yummy, right? What if I told you that a special beer was made when the 17th and 18th century European and colonial American women found out that they were pregnant, and that beer fermented over the remaining seven or eight months of the pregnancy, and then the keg was tapped when the mother's contractions started, and she drank the ale. You can imagine her groaning her way through the rippling waves of pain while chugging back her brewski, hence the name groaning ale. Just so the mama wasn't drinking alone, the midwife also drank the groaning ale too. And then the newborn baby would be washed with whatever ale was left. Now you might be asking yourself, why, 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 why? (laughs) Or maybe you're like, that totally makes sense because water was super gross then. And you'd be right. This groaning ale ended up being about 8% alcoholic, which is higher than the average alcohol content of beer today, which is 5%. But this made it sterile versus the water available at that time, making it the better choice to wash the new wee babe in. Add in the intoxicating effect and compare it to the painkillers of today, and I'm not judging those laboring mamas at all. I am, however, giving a bit of side eye to that midwife, who I hope kept her wits about her as she did her job while also partaking. If you think this is the end of groaning, think again. Next week, we will look at groaning foods, and it involves cheese. A lot of cheese. (laughs) Wow. Wow. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can think of. Groaning was not the direction I thought the tip was going to go in, and now we have not one week but two to look forward to. Yeah, who would have thought it? I would never have thought, but you know what? You're right. Like 
once you get past the initial knee jerk gasping, yes. clutching of the pearls, yes. um, when you think about all the ale happening <laughs> during mm-hmm. childbirth, it does actually make complete sense when you think of the sterility that you need for those kinds of things. Yes. And the, you know, the purported benefits of drinking beer and breast milk production, right? So it does yes. it kind of make sense. <laughs> That's the direction I thought the tip was going to go in. Yes. Was this beautiful, like you make the ale when you first find out you're pregnant and that same ale is going to help in your being able to nurse your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, maybe. Washing the baby But also fine. washing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Welcome back to season six of the Modern Lady podcast. After a long summer break and now heading into fall, we are back and we're so ready to deep dive into all these topics with you guys again. But today we're kicking things off on a rather introspective note, right, Lindsay? Yes, introspective, encouraging, something that made us both feel good, right? Mm-hmm. I came across this post on Instagram from the account at Live Your Impossible, and it stopped me in my tracks. It read, 12 signs you're actually a better person than you think. And I was fascinated. I saved the post and I sent it to you, Michelle. And as soon as I did, you were like, oh, I need this right now. Mm, yes, yes. It was just like... Those first few weeks of September, trying Mm. to settle everyone in, and Mm -hmm. there are sometimes so many things coming at you. You feel like maybe you're behind or you can't keep up. You're dropping the ball. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I was at. And I'm like, oh, why can't I get on top of this? I must not be doing that great. And then you read the list and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe a bit of perspective is needed here. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're we're going to get into the list so we will share it so you guys can also be like, oh, not doing yeah. so bad. <laughs> but I want to say like I was looking at it and I thought we're living in such a weird time because I think there's some in some ways we have inflated egos and maybe I'm just talking about myself. But then I see I think that there's also this total lack of self-esteem and they're kind of mm. fighting each other and wrestling and going back and forth. And I think sometimes we don't know ourselves at all and then we find like little bits and pieces of ourselves scattered throughout these posts on social media and we're like oh that's Mm. me right and then this all makes me think okay I think we kind of have a bit of a distorted sense of self right now Mm -hmm. and so we don't really know how to view ourselves and so seeing a post like this and you can go oh yeah okay I'm not doing so bad and I'm realizing so much of my self-introspection does change throughout the day kind of based on what I'm consuming too right like Mm. what we're seeing on social media and I'll be like yes I'm on trend I'm looking good I'm smart I'm cool I'm a good person and then just minutes later I'm like everything I own is ugly I'm old I'm out of date I'm basic I'm not smart I'm a horrible person and I realize it's kind of like emotional whiplash this like back and forth all the time and so I think that it's so easy then when you think about that to understand that we have this distorted sense of self and why people are really struggling to feel good about themselves in a genuine way not an artificial way right based on those externals but in Mm -hmm. a way that is like honest to goodness and wholesome and then when you feel good about yourself you want to continue to to grow better and better and I feel like a simple post like this one 12 Mm -hmm. ways in which you're doing better than you think you are is exactly what we need Mm-hmm. Yes. When you just mentioned emotional whiplash, mm-hmm. um, that reminded me of a podcast episode I was just listening to on the Read Aloud Revival. 
Mm-hmm. That's the one hosted by Sarah McKenzie. And the episode is actually called, How Do I Know If I'm Doing Enough? Mm. <laughs> and she was talking about this exact thing, how, you know, especially today with social media, um, let's say on Instagram in the course of 60 seconds, you, you know, you see someone making a beautiful birthday cake and someone's kids are learning Latin and mm-hmm. another family is on vacation and everybody has chickens. And I laughed at that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she says that she subconsciously combines all of these snapshots into one fictional composite woman. Oh, goodness, yes. And compares herself against her. (laughs) And so I was like, yes, I totally agree. And we're just, we are living in this unique time where we even have this many metrics in front of us every day to tell us we're good or not. Um, but you're right. Like when you come across the the random one that says like, hey, pause, take mm-hmm. a look at yourself. Like there, it may not be, this may not be true. And here's why. Um, yeah. Those can be deeply appreciated. So it's time we share the list with you. And I want to, again, credit the Instagram account at Live Your Impossible. Um, that's all one word for creating this post. So we'll just share the 12 things. So the first three are you compliment others when it is deserved. You're grateful for your loved ones and you're polite and respectful. The next three are that you're kind to everyone, that you're honest and you're optimistic. And then you're generous with others. You take responsibility for your actions and you're wise. And finally, you don't wallow in self-pity. People can trust you and you're genuine. Well, Michelle, did you pass the test? (laughs) (laughs) We love a good checklist, don't we? I'm always like, I think I got like 80%. Yeah, a good personality (laughs) quiz. But man, that list, like you and I were talking about as we were preparing our notes, they're so... It's so um, simple and easy to understand. Um, We talked about breaking it down a bit further, but I do feel like we can kind of sum up the 12 like this. A good person is aware of those around them. They're excited for other people and recognizes the hard work of others, and they're grateful for the people in their lives. A good person is kind, polite, and respectful to everyone they encounter, and they have generous spirits that share time, talents, and emotional support, and they give hope to those they interact with. In their relationships, they are truthful and they own up to their own mistakes and do their duties to the very best of their abilities. These people have integrity and can be trusted. A good person learns from their mistakes and doesn't wallow in self-pity and grows wiser with every experience. So that summary and when you and I were reading the list, it just gave me the warm fuzzies, right? Like Mm. I, I want to know that person. I want to raise those people. I want to be that person. Hmm. Yeah. And here's an interesting thought, too, to just add on um, in reading that list. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to have times that, you know, we can recognize a lot of ourselves in that. Mm. And then, like, honestly, sometimes we're like, hmm, that's something I could work on right now. Mm-hmm. But I actually came across a couple of YouTube videos while I was doing my research, and they suggested something that gave me hope in those times that we were talking about at the beginning of the episode where you're like, am I, am Mm. I though doing (laughs) okay? (laughs) Am I on this list? Mm -hmm. And one of those videos was from Dr. Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. And the video was literally titled, are you a good person? Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, click. Yep. Yep. (laughs) 
Um, the second one was from the channel School of Life, and mm. it was a test to work out if you are a good person. And both videos started out with the same statement, um, this time from the perspective of psychology, that a marker for someone who is a good person is someone who recognizes that they do have the, compa- the capacity, in all honesty, to not always be. And that there's a potential Mm. that they may not always be the perfect person all the time um, and that they can and they do make mistakes. So the videos just go on to say that in psychology, in any case, that there's more of a uh, a hmm moment on the (laughs) psychologist's part, if you will, um, when someone is able to look at that list and just without any kind of self-reflection, just Mm, be like, yep, 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 nailing it, nailing it, nailing it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I thought that was an interesting perspective because... To me, that leads us to believe we are a better person than we think we are because we recognize that we are that work in progress, you know? Yes. So, you know what? And all this to say that, like, uh, we read lists like this, and I think sometimes it depends on where we're at that day, that week, that season. That list may come as a real bomb to our spirit and just be like, thank you, yes. Like, for me, like, that's what I needed to hear. And then there are other times you might read it and you might think, like, I don't don't even want to look at this. I don't feel like I'm doing very well at all. But that both responses are um, natural. Yes. Yes. And I think something, again, specific to this list is it is a gentle list. I feel like even if you're like, okay, I'm not there, it is doable. Like it's, it is something you can strive to achieve like 80% of what's on that list. And I want to point out too that when we read a list like that, it really should be about ourselves. I think it's also easy to read a list like that and be like, well, I know who's not doing those things. <laughs> so I can tell you who's whole other not podcast a good person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think we need to restrain that temptation and just mm-hmm. really look at this mm-hmm. as an opportunity to be reflective and to really think about ourselves. And I think it's really interesting to have a checklist like this in a world right now in 2023 mm-hmm. where our values seem to change every day, right? We were, we're here in the West. Our value system is rooted in Judeo-Christian ethics. And we can all agree that there's a new progressive doctrine that changes with the day. And you never quite know what makes you a quote unquote good person because Mm. those values seem to often be made up on the spot. And so, um, I think stripping it back to its bare essentials, like just the common core good values of this list is very helpful. Yes. Yeah, that is a really interesting point that like, even how we see ourselves up against the changing standards of society Mm -hmm. might not be reality, like might not be what is actually true. And so it can be a fickle thing sometimes as well. So you're right, like just going back to basics stripping it right back to what matters the most and to have like a very simple thing that you're right like you go through this checklist and there are things that we can all agree that even if there are like highs and lows on the list there's there are things that we can all agree make a good person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so okay let's say I do look at the list and I want to be a better person and I want to work on some things can people change? I look at my own life experience and I can 
honestly say I am very much a different person than I was for most of my life. And, you know, some things happened in my life that forced me to change that Mm. really opened up my eyes to my faults. And I really used those experiences as a motivating factor to better myself. And I actually worked hard on that. So I do believe that people can change. And I've seen that in people all around me. But Michelle, what does science say? Mm, I'm always curious to know what science (laughs) says. So what does science say? (laughs) Well, science says, and this is coming from psychcentral.com, says people can change when they're self-aware, receive support, and become intentional about behaving differently. It goes on to say, but change takes time and it may be challenging in some cases. For example, if you live with a mental health condition that involves lifelong symptoms, it may impact your attitude, habits, and behaviors. Now, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in just that quote alone, but simply said, most people can change if they are self-aware, receive support from loved ones, and make the intentional effort. Now, as Catholics, we think the word for this is virtue, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines virtue as a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. Now, let's hear that again. It is a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. Okay, right off the bat, this seems to be void of excuses, but, 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 but he's mean, I'm tired, but they don't recognize when I'm trying and no one appreciates me. The church Mm. is asking us to make a clear and firm change within us, a new habit, which means that it will become an instinctual response to do the good. That's an action. We need to do the good. Hmm. Yes, I love that. That is like it's not something you can just you know sit and will it to be you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. Like if we could, I think we would all be like heads and tails, like the paragons of virtue. Mm-hmm. But it is it is that doing and that action. And there was an article on New York Times called. Are you a good person? <laughs> oh, wow. You you're, tell, like, you're finding all of them. This is awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Would you believe that a lot of people ask this question? Well, right. That's what I'm realizing. <laughs> right on track. Yes. yes, yes. Um, and in it, the writer Jeremy Engel, he interviewed experts from various fields on the subject of goodness. Mm-hmm. And one of the people he interviewed was a monk at the Plum Village Meditation Center uh, named Chan Fap dung you know according to their beliefs and he's buddhist that according to their beliefs quote goodness is impermanent and organic meaning they recognize it can progress as well as regress Mm. end quote so yes depending on our participation and intentionality of actively striving for goodness or virtue Mm -hmm. um, it can follow a certain trajectory which i thought was interesting I love that so much because, yeah, it it just really lines up with this idea that like doing good is an action and that Mm -hmm. you'd have to continue to choose that action, right? Every day if it can go up or down. And I just love that reminder. And I know that it doesn't come naturally for everyone. You know, we do have different temperaments. I'm choleric. I get it. It's, (laughs) It's not natural necessarily to me. But the thing is, 
God wants you to be that person on the list, right? He has all of those um, graces ready for you, those things that you just have to be willing to receive. And so this is something that if you don't have really support from anyone else in your life right now, be sure to bring it to prayer and just say, God, Mm -hmm. I want to be the best person I can be. And that's a prayer that will never go unanswered. He will give you opportunities, (laughs) right? To practice (laughs) doing the good. So don't mistake those when you get them go, okay, this is a gift. This is an opportunity for me to grow. Like we were talking about in that goodness. Um, but this is definitely something to bring in prayer because this is, yeah, God looks at that checklist. and He's like, yep, that, that looks good to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, it's almost like I wrote something like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like I gave people rules in another big book about that guy too. Yeah. Oh, but you're so right. And I love that reminder, too, because when we look at that list and, you know, we're talking about now changing to almost like um, ramp up the list, Mm -hmm. basically, right? Like, yes, you are doing better than you think. And um, I think it's a Max Lucado quote that he was saying, like, God loves you for who you are, but he doesn't want you to stay there. Yes. Right. So like that's kind of when we think about God, we have to remember that, uh, you know, not only by your own efforts um, are you doing better than you think you are, but also because of just who you are, period, Mm -hmm. you're already better than you think you are. Mm. We were made... Right. We were made in the image and likeness of God, who is all those things to perfection. And we're made in his image. So it's like um, we're running the race, but we were even given a head start on that. Right. And so to lean into that aspect of it, too, our efforts plus God's grace. Like those are the things that are going to take us from already being good to constantly and consistently growing better. Okay, Michelle, I love that so much. And I think that it's so important to remember that just like we were made in the image and likeness of God, our loved ones were also made in the image and like um, image and likeness of God and our enemies. And I think that it's just so important for us to remember that our mood, the way we conduct ourselves, um, especially right now, I feel like the world has really changed in the last three years with how strangers interact with each other. You go anywhere, you go to a doctor's office, into the bank, into a school, you hear the tone with which people are talking to each other, the impatience, the rudeness. It is um, very different. And I think we're, we've all gone through a lot and I think it's coming out in the, in those interactions. And so you Mm. think, well, why should I try? Why should I try when everyone else out there is being rude? Well, you have the opportunity and every interaction you have to influence the people around you. Now we did a whole episode before about sphere of influence, which was a really Mm -hmm. great one, right? Mm -hmm. About really understanding how much of an impact that you have around you. So tune into that episode, our our one on sphere of influence. But right now I just want to talk about emotional contagion that again, your mood, the way you're conducting yourself, it, it can have an emotional response in everyone around you. And so when you're choosing to do the good every time and to be that good person that's outlined in the opening, regardless of how everyone else is acting around you, that is contagious. It is undeniably contagious. Like there's scientific studies on this. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I keep coming back to something you often say, Lindsay, um, 
but I might be getting it wrong. Okay. <laughs> so Are you going to misquote me? me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the first I misquote everyone else, but maybe it's the first time I'm, I'm honoring you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't you always say something to the effect of like we're the thermometer of our homes? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is thermometer, right? It's hard. We take but... the temperature. Oh, <laughs> one's a little more romantic, <laughs> but yes, I do talk about how that sets the tone and the mood. Mm. And I've heard other women um, talk about the temperature, like taking the temperature of the home, or you set that. I guess you're the thermostat. <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah, I'm like, as romantic how do we set? You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're the thermostat of your home you know that box on it. the wall yeah. that gets dusty and you don't really fully know how to use it that's you mama that's you <laughs> oh it's so good. i've never felt more seen actually as the dusty box on a wall <laughs> oh but it's it's better than you think right? but you're doing better than you think you are <laughs> oh my goodness yes. no but you're but it is yes yeah. your point your point is a good one my point was like yeah the positive emotional contagion that you can have um if you're trying to implement this list and get better at it every mm-hmm. day um you are going to be the heart that sets the temperature for mm-hmm. your home you thermostat you <laughs> Okay, so we've gotten a bit off track, um, but that's on brand for us. So welcome back mm-hmm. us. Um, but the point of this episode is that we want it to be encouraging. We want to be an encouraging voice as we all stumble our way through this ever-changing world. Um, I, I really firmly believe that you are doing better than you think you're doing. And I'm doing better than I think I'm doing. And But yeah, we don't ever want to just stay there. So continuing to grow in virtue and habit is definitely a, a priority. Yeah, and just a reminder that we're all a work in progress, Mm -hmm. but it is helpful to know that within that process, we are indeed actually doing better than we think we are. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Well, our budget took a big hit over the summer, and so we had to make some changes, and we had to get rid of all of the channels that we were subscribing to, and Mm. right? So I'm left with a free channel called Tubi, T-U-B-I. Do you guys have Tubi? Um, Or do you still have the fancy channels like BritBox? (laughs) (laughs) They're rich people's channels. (laughs) I'm somewhere in the middle, so I have like... (laughs) Netflix. <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't even have that at this moment. Oh, so to, let me tell you about Tubi. But Tubi. Yes, yeah. tell yeah. me. Well, um, it is free. You just have to, have to give an email address. Only if you want to have like the last, like your progress sh- saved if you have to leave the show or like mm. to be able to like save shows on like a list. But mm-hmm. they have, and, and there's just ads um, at the beginning of each show and a few times throughout. So it's, it's really not that bad. Um, and they have a pretty good... They have a huge collection of content, but if you're mm. like me and you like weirder cult favorite movies that are a little off the beaten track, there's a lot there for that. So I've made quite an extensive list of movies to work through, and one of them is a movie I've wanted to watch for a long time from 1955, and it's a film noir called The Night of the Hunter, starring Robert mm. Mitchum and his chin dimple, which is so defined, I think it deserves <laughs> its own billing. But um, have you heard of The Night of the Hunter? 
No, I have never heard of this movie. Okay. <laughs> it also stars uh, Shelley Winters, who's a famous actress, and the silent film star, like the starlet of her day, Lillian Gish, who's a lot older mm. in this movie, which is really neat to see her. So in it, Mitchum appears to be a traveling preacher who thinks he has a direct line with God and that God is in support of his life of crime. And he's on the hunt for a large amount of cash that was stolen from a bank. And he found out about this cash from his prison bunkmate. And then when he's free, he goes and hunt of where this man hid the cash. Now, it's artfully filmed. It, the interplay of light and shadow, it's striking. And that sent me down a rabbit hole of German expressionist film. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a whole, it just really exemplifies some really artistic styles of that period. It's so well acted. You are kept mm. on the edge of your seat as this man ends up pursuing children throughout the whole movie. Um, I'm sorry. Did you say, did you say pursuing children? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So the children okay. of the man in prison know where the money is oh. hidden. Okay. So I just want to give you that heads up. And it's it's like a Hansel and Gretel. They're running through forests and it's good. It's just so mm. good. Um, but I have to point out one thing. So it, when he first appeared on screen, I was all of a sudden nine years old and terrified because the scariest villain I've ever encountered in a movie when I was a child is, mm -hmm. this is so niche, Michelle. I don't know if you've ever seen Poltergeist <laughs> Part 2, which is scarier no. than Poltergeist <laughs> Part <No>. 1. But <laughs> there's an old man preacher that is still, I think about once a month and he haunts my mind. <gasps> and he, I found out, was in influenced by this character in the night of the hunter so anyways it is the perfect black and white thriller for those who want great storytelling great acting without the bad language without the gore i highly recommend the night of the hunter oh my goodness is it that time of year again it is <laughs> it is so excited oh my gosh okay that's great that's gonna go on my list and it's great you can watch it for free mm -hmm. you sure can channel. sign up okay. to be sign up for to be tonight <laughs> it should be sponsored yes so michelle what have you been loving this week Okay, so mine kind of dips back into summer and what I was loving in the summer. But five years after you started your journey with the classics, Lindsay, mm -hmm. and one year after I finally started mine after mm -hmm. your example, mm -hmm. I'm in deep. I'm in deep <laughs> with these books and <laughs> stories. Uh, honestly, I, I just by way of some context, I never picked up a classic because I was I was intimidated by them. Yes, I'll yeah. be honest, right? I thought the language would be too over my head; they'd be difficult to read. But I really was mistaken. They're much more approachable than I thought. Yes, yeah. So this summer, I have been continuing with my second novel by Alexander Dumas. Mm -hmm. uh, I read The Three Musketeers last fall. And I read The Count of Monte Cristo this mm -hmm. summer, and it was an amazing book. I still think about the book. Yeah. I think it's in one of my top five spots. So I was finding it hard to summarize the book, though, without giving away too much of the plot, because the action really does start right out of the gate. Like, mm -hmm. you're settling in to begin a new book, all cozy-like, <laughs> and bam, page two, we're off and running. But mm -hmm. By way of summary, the Count of Monte Cristo follows a man named Edmund Dantes throughout nearly his entire life, and we journey with him through imprisonment, freedom, and revenge. Mm -hmm. What I love about this book is that right alongside the exciting action, we actually get to struggle with Dantes over some really difficult moral questions mm -hmm. having to do with things like justice, what rights you're owed in life. Does the end justify the means? 
um, how our actions can have consequences. Like there's so much in this book to reflect on. I haven't watched any of the movie adaptations yet, but mm-hmm. I've been saving the more recent one with Jim Caviezel starring mm-hmm. in it uh, for the fall because the whole book, to me, it feels like fall. It feels like autumn. And you know how we feel about picking mm-hmm. these things seasonally. Yes. But yeah, so if you listening, if you haven't read the book or you're intimidated by its size because it is a big one, um, I would encourage you to try it out anyway. Just let yourself be transported back to Napoleonic France (laughs) in the 1800s and get yourself acquainted with the life and the trials of Edmond Dantes. Oh, I love it. I have to say it's probably the first classic I ever read. I think that I read it twice. Mm. I think the first time I read it, I was a teenager. And then I think the second time I was in my 20s. And it's a, it's a total page turner. And yeah, it is. there is a, a Facebook group called uh, Classical Literature Book Club. And okay. they are always like just in all the discussions. That book comes out in the top three classics of all the people Mm. in that group all the time. So it is a perfect entree point into reading the classics. I totally agree with you. It really does take you on a great ride. I do want to reread it um, because now Mm -hmm. it's probably been 17 years since I've read it. Um, Mm. So I will definitely reread it. And I just remember loving it. And I've seen the movie. I remember being really excited. Is the Jim Caviezel one the one with Guy Pearce or is that one the older movie version? Ooh, I don't know. Okay. I remember when that came out and I was really excited. Um, I, yeah, I won't say this about the movie because okay. it's a different one. But um, yeah, so I think that sounds awesome. I'm so glad you've joined me in this journey through the classics. Yes, I am here for them all. Every <laughs> single one I start, I think, um, surely I won't like this one yes. <laughs> as much or better than the last one. And I yep. do. Yep. So yeah, it's I'm so, so happy it's, to be here. Do you remember yep. my 10 minute rule? I think we'll just introduce our audience oh, yes. right now again to my 10 minute rule for movies. Maybe it's a little longer for a book. Let's say like a three mm-hmm. chapter rule for a book. Mm-hmm. But if you just, and this is, so this comes from watching old black and white movies that I have a hard time drawing my husband and kids towards, but I'm like, just give it 10 minutes minutes because I know Mm -hmm. they're going to be hooked. And it's the same thing with a classic. Give it three chapters. Mm. That being said, sometimes give it half the novel um, or don't give it any time. Moby Dick, I'm still looking at you. But give it a couple chapters. You will, your brain has to adjust to the language, to the pacing. um, And and you will end up loving more. I think I've loved everyone I've read Moby Dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They do make you reading them do, does make you feel smarter. Yep. But not because you're saying to yourself, I'm reading a classic. Yep. I actually believe that um, the authors who wrote these classic novels, they wrote with the intelligence of their reader in mind. Yep. So like you just you feel like you're using so much of your own mind along with the story it's very participatory I find but it is a different style to a lot of books that were written more recently so it's not good or bad but it's different and so you might need some time to adjust like what you're saying Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. 
And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Homemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you.